Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. To begin. Are you watching closely? How to start. I just, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? In Life Itself, a memoir, Roger Ebert begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it. The audio surrounded me. Molded by it. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. At first, the frames flicker without connection. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. Here's the deal. You just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, no, no. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bull Movie Talk. What used to be a Tristram Shandy story. In which, apparently, obviously, we don't talk about Tristram Shandy minute by minute. But isn't that the point? Good Lord, what is this story all about? Cock and Bull story. Here's your host, me, Professor Robert E. G. Black. Stand for a little interlude. I was making a list. I'm not good at this, as you'll know if you listen to the show. Uh, my top films of 2020. I accidentally came up with 20 on the first brush, so I made it my top 20, but I believe it has 23 movies on it currently. But it's been a weird year for films, obviously. I haven't seen a film in the theater since Onward, and it's that's strange for me, because I usually would go to movies, see two or three in the theaters a week before that. So that makes it very different. And now I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going back to a theater or if I really want to. I got a nicer TV this year. Enjoy watching things at home. One of the films on my list, people complain about sound mix in theaters. At home I got subtitles. Fine. I forget what order these are in at the moment. I think I put in order by their release date as listed on Letterboxd or by their ratings on Letterboxd. I don't know. I was going to put them in order by how I watched them, but I couldn't get the list to reorder that way. Oh well. The last film I watched from 2020, by the way, it was last night, which wasn't 2020 anymore, but it was a 2020 film, was Waves. I liked it. I didn't put it on the list. I considered it. So we'll put it as a special mention, I guess. Film about a black family in Florida. Son is a high school wrestler. Keeps wrestling through an injury because his father pushes him really hard to succeed. And that goes badly. There's alcohol, there's drugs, there's violence. And there's a second half following his sister instead, as she does things maybe a little better than he did. It's an interesting structure, because it doesn't necessarily have a plot. But there's definitely a story, or a couple stories. So, this first one might technically be a 2019 film. I know it was supposed to come out in 2019, and then it got delayed. And that's the rhythm section. Some people did not like this movie. I actually really liked it. 
Blake Lively was good as a sort of regular person who loses her family in a plane crash and then is determined to go after the people who caused the plane to crash. The terrorists. That Was it a bomb? If it wasn't an accident, there was a bomb on that plane. I need your help to find the ones who did this. I've got nothing to lose. What about your life? What about it? Based on a book, I believe. And the first in a series, like this character is going to continue being this, this regular person who got into essentially being a sort of James Bond kind of spy. The movie does a good job of playing on her pain, like emotional and physical. One of those movies where like she gets seriously injured. You can tell the injury is still there through the rest of the film. And I believe she was actually injured in making the film. Next up, Underwater. Pretty basic film. If you've seen the trailer, you know mostly what it is. Underwater facility under attack by creatures outside, you know, the tradition of like the Abyss and Deep Star Six and Leviathan, a trio from the early 90s. Or is that late 80s? Forget me years. It starts, as you see in the trailer, with the station being ruined. It starts right into it, lets you figure out the characters as you go, which is nice. It's not, doesn't everyone tell you who they are first and then have bad things happen. Main star, Kristen Stewart, has a very limited range when it comes to acting that she's good at. And the movie uses it really well. And spoilers, the monsters are much more interesting than the trailer makes them seem. And turn out to be something very different. And it's great. Next, Vivarium. This one was online. I think this was Amazon Prime. An engaged couple go to, uh, what do you call that, the uh, gated neighborhood. Not gated, but a tract home kind of neighborhood. Welcome to Yonder, a wonderful development. It has all you'd need and all you'd want. And get stuck there. It turns out there's no way out, and all the houses are the same, and no one else is there. And it's like a Twilight Zone episode, stretched out. But it earns it, because it plays on difficulties these two are having in their relationship and in their lives. What are we supposed to do? Should we just sit here and wait to die? Far will they go to get out of this place that they can't escape? Speaking of being stuck somewhere, next up, the lodge. Woman and her boyfriend's kids from his recently ended marriage. Warning, there's a rather abrupt suicide at the beginning of this film. And impression of a suicide later in the film, so trigger warnings. Uh, plays on sort of, if you saw the rapture in the 80s, it's similar tone. Because it's about the end of the world, or the end of life, in a religious sense. And deals specifically with religious beliefs about where you go when you die. There's a weird angle where Riley Keough, the woman, her background before the film is that she was in a cult that committed suicide. She was the only survivor. And so it sets up this weird tone from the beginning. And I don't know if that part was necessary. The rest of the story could have worked anyway if she just happened to be religious. Difficulties ensue. Creepy. Weird. And I liked it. Next up, the platform, Netflix. A foreign film out of, was it Spain? I think it's Spanish. I'm forgetting that. Maybe it was Italian. I think it was Spanish. A futuristic facility with many levels. Every day this elevator platform goes down the center of it, starting with a lot of food. The farther down you are, the less likely you are to find anything to eat. On different days, you might find yourself on different levels. Always hoping that you might be closer to the top so you get some good food. Or maybe you figure out how to escape. Or maybe there is no escape because it's all just a metaphor. And it's great. It works nicely. 
Ooh, another theater one next. Birds of Prey. Wait, what was the original title? Is it Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harlequin? They had to shorten it for listings, because no one could read the title. Surprisingly good. After, um... Was this, uh, cheerleading trials? Gonna say six pack. I want to build a team of some very bad people who I think can do some good. What's the name of that movie? You disobey me, you die. Death Squad, no. Try to escape, you die. Run away, no. You irritate or vex me. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. You die. Something inexpendable. <laughs> Expendables. Control this picture. Everything. <laughs> DC film. Whose title I can't remember right now. After that one was so bad and so poorly structured. This one works really well because it focuses. Saw it in the theater, then saw it in the theater again, took my daughter. Next up, another online one. I believe this was Amazon, Fast of Night. A very slow-paced film about a possible alien invasion over a small town. Set in the, I want to say the 50s. So there's not a lot of technology going on. The main characters are the local radio news guy late at night. And the local phone operator. And there's a great sequence early on that'll give you a sense that if you're gonna like this film, if you like the sequence where they walk across town, you'll like the film. There's a sequence early on of just a tracking shot following the two of them as they walk from one location to the other and it gives you a great sense of the town, the geography, and the pacing that you're gonna get. I almost wish that a good part of the way through this they go and interview a woman in person. And I almost wish that had also been over the radio. So the film could have limited its locations even more once it was stuck in them. But it works. A great ending. And the leads, which I think were a couple of nobodies, Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz, were great. Next up, very recent one, Mank on Netflix. Story of Herman Mankiewicz, who wrote Citizen Kane, and a sort of an imagining of what was going on at the time between he and Hearst, and why he wrote the script that he wrote. And it plays with the flow of time, jumping around in the story. There are some ageist issues in the casting, but otherwise this one works really well. It's a slow build, but if you're into David Fincher movies, you'll probably like it. Another relatively recent one. If you're in a place where the theaters were reopened, you could have seen this back in August. Tenet. That's the one I was saying earlier. People complain about the sound in the theater. At home, I didn't have any problem with that. The story is simplistic. Get that right in. Um, my wife was watching with me, and she didn't care for it immediately. And part of why she didn't like it was part of the reasons I liked it is, like, literally the main character doesn't have a name, doesn't have a backstory, and the movie is playing, seems to be playing on that deliberately. Is that Christopher Nolan has realized what kind of movie he makes. And he's like, well, fine. You don't need the detail. You don't want this other stuff. I won't give you the other stuff. We'll just jump right in. The lead doesn't have a name. They call him protagonist. Literally, they refer to him as the protagonist in the film and refer to the bad guys as antagonists. <sighs> and that's a little bit of pretension and a little bit of simplicity. And you got time travel in this, and I'm a sucker for time travel. Well done, time travel. Time loops and overlapping timelines and one particular overlap at near the end with the female character, I don't remember anyone's names from this movie, which I think means the point of not naming the main character works, but there's two of her at one point at the end, and I'm not sure which one is in the last scene, but that's a different determination. My wife and I actually talked a bit about this one on this show before when we were talking about Synecdoche, New York, 
Charlie Kaufman's latest film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which deals in construction of character, invention of character, one character imagining it. It's hard to explain without spoiling it, but just pay attention to when things change if you watch it. Actually, if you have to consider whether or not you're going to watch it, you probably won't like it because you're not a Charlie Kaufman fan. If you're a Charlie Kaufman fan, you're going to love it. It begins with, what, a half hour or more sequence of them just riding in a car having a conversation, visit to the parents' house, things get really weird, and then another car ride, and then things get even weirder. I don't want to say any more because the details are what's so fun, especially because some of those details you might not get if you don't have a specific bit of knowledge. You might realize it's something but not know what it is, like a, a voice in one part. She starts talking in a specific way, and if you haven't heard Polly and Gail talk, you won't get it. Ah, oh, yeah. This might be, if I was ranking these, not in whatever this random order is, this one would definitely be near the top. And Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons are great. Tony Collette and David Thule is pretty good, too. Next up, Spontaneous. A high school metaphor. Kid randomly explodes in the middle of the classroom. What happened? Caitlin exploded. What? Like a bomb? No, like a balloon? What? And that sets off a epidemic of kids exploding. And whether you take it as like a metaphor for school shootings and random violence and how little we seem to worry about that, or you take it as a metaphor for STDs, passing around a school of hormonally charged, sexually active teenagers, or just life itself in microcosm. Sometimes people die and you can't do anything about it. You just have to figure out how to live knowing that you might die anytime too. Ah, oh, it's, it's, it's fun while being a little disturbing. Next up, a documentary. Jasper Mall. My wife, who really likes documentaries, didn't like this one as much as I did, but I thought it worked really well for the kind of documentary. It's the kind of thing that just sits at a location, in this case a mall, in Jasper, Alabama. A mall that is dying. Stores closing. There's not much business. And it follows a few, the security guard and some workers there, and a few patrons. As we watch a mall that people keep having hope for, but it's clearly not going well and isn't going to get better. Surprise, when this came out, it'd be like, yeah, that was awesome and great, but didn't think it's going to be one of the best movies of the year because it was so freaking early in the year. But The Invisible Man, Lee Winnell directing, Elizabeth Moss starring, was way better than it had any right to be, to be this sort of remake, reboot thing that evolved out of the Dark Universe project failing. I could go off about the Dark Universe, but... Uh, this is this movie is a lot better than it should be, given it is the schlocky thing that an Invisible Man film has to be. It takes itself seriously. It plays on some very graphic moments of violence and good character work. Then onward, I already mentioned it's the last movie I saw in the theater. Uh, one of two Pixar movies on this list. Two brothers on a sort of D and D inspired style quest to reconnect with their dead father. And it is adorable and wholesome and fun and sad. And it's got great nerdy fantasy moments throughout because that's what it is. And I loved it. There's a good documentary about this next topic, but this was the Aaron Sorkin directed fiction scripted film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. This whole trial was an interesting topic. I've read some of the transcripts of it, written about it, seen a couple documentaries that covered it in different ways. And this film does it good, it does it justice in just how crazy it was 
the, the antics of the judge and the defendants and the disputes and slightly different political leanings of these people. And it, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good, I mean, for something that follows, there's a certain type of film that follows a real court trial like this, fictionalizes it, encapsulates it in smaller actions than it was. This does it quite well. Back to Netflix, I think, or Amazon. A bunch of these are online in different ways, and I forget. But next is Palm Springs. If you've been listening to this show, I'm a sucker for a time loop. This time loop is a romantic comedy. The final act of the film may go a little weird with trying to explain things and escape things. Well, that's not necessarily the point, but it may, it has a good, uh, fatalistic tone to its ending that works really well on a time loop. It just maybe takes that last act, maybe could have been a little quicker. But otherwise, it's, it's great. Another documentary, My Octopus Teacher. This is named about Craig Foster, who is, uh, I forget what his day job is actually, because the movie doesn't really care about that. He takes to, he finds this octopus, and proceeds to want to visit the octopus every day. And it kind of tells this weird sort of love story of this man and this tiny little octopus and their lives. And it's got a little bit of that, this guy's crazy, hippie, weird thing of like, uh, what was the bear documented grizzly man with, without the bad ending or without that bad ending in that sort of sense. But it, it's a beautifully shot for underwater footage mostly. And it's, 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 it's cute. It's, it's lovely. Another documentary. It was a weird year. The Bee Gees. How can you mend a broken heart? My wife suggested this one night, turned it on thinking, yeah, whatever, I'll watch that. Bee Gees are fine. And then was fascinated. Because there was so much about them I didn't know. Like, by the time I knew of them being popular from their 70s music, their disco stuff, they'd already had a career for a while. I didn't know they were around for so long. And a lot of interesting drama between the brothers and between their different directions their lives took them and the directions their career took them because they moved into disco and the disco was rejected and they had to reinvent themselves multiple times while still sort of being who they were. And it's a great documentary about that. And then another documentary, Feels Good Man, which is about, what's the guy's name? Matt Fury, who made Pepe the Frog, and how Pepe the Frog was co-opted by right-wing crazy people, and his various attempts to try to take him back and readopt him. And I didn't, I knew none of the details of this story. And so it was fascinating to see how it became. And it's like people were talking about the social dilemma this year as being this like brilliant thing about social media, what they do. And I think this and its thing about Reddit and how they adopted this symbol is a much more evocative story about how things work. Much less obvious. First Cow. Ah, this, I wanted this movie to be better than it is. It's a fantastic film and then it just kind of ends. But it's such a great little story because there's really barely a story to it. These two guys steal milk from the first cow in their town in order to make really good baked goods that they can sell to the workers. That's it. That's the story. And it's cute because there's not much of a plot there. There wasn't much for it to go. And it, it they get caught. It's over. It's like, I wanted something else. But it's still on the list because it was so well done. Never rarely, sometimes always. Movie about abortion. But it's not really about the abortion. It's about, I mean, yes, politically it is about the difficulties we put young women through in order to get an abortion. 
but it's also about these two friends. One who's going to travel with her friend to make sure she gets what she needs and all the trouble they have doing it because they aren't that well off. They don't have a lot of money. They have a limited time frame. It's slow paced, simple, sad, and wonderful. I like a lot of slow paced things this year, I realize. I think it's just that kind of year. The year's been slow paced. Losing track of what day it is because home every day. Next up, Sound of Metal. Another one which I wish there was something slightly more to it in the end, but I think that's the point in this case, is that there doesn't need to be an ending. There doesn't need to be a solution, because that's the way it's playing with this heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing. He also loses his hearing really early in the film. I don't think we get enough of the status quo at the beginning, and we don't get enough of a resolution. But we get a lot of that middle, and the middle is really good. As he goes to this camp for deaf people, and has to learn to... Like, his hearing is just going to go. It's going to be gone. He doesn't have a choice. He thinks he has a choice. He wants to get it fixed. He wants surgery. It works along the way, mostly because the direction uh, was named Darius Martyr, and the star, Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed is great. And then the last one on the list, which a lot of people love, my second Pixar movie of the year, Soul. There's some issues regarding race with the pre-production of this film, but I think the film itself does fine. And it is bizarre and outlandish and weird and dealing with the afterlife and what is arguably a kid's film, or arguably evidence that animated films are not kid's films, they're just films. They can be whatever. But it is kid-friendly. Just like every Pixar movie, it's kid-friendly and adult-friendly. And I love people were talking about, like, who would have thought when they made Toy Story they'd be making a movie about an existential crisis and all this stuff. I'm like, did you see Toy Story? <laughs> Pixar's been doing this the whole time. But this is yet another good one. And the relationship between Joe Gardner and 22 is great. That was my 2020 and lots of other things. I watched 424 movies for the year. Well, diary entries. I believe I figured out there were 64 of those that were duplicates because I was doing the blog for part of the year. So about 360-something films. And that's a lot. 660 hours plus of viewing, which is basically the month of February. <laughs> Spent a month, a twelfth of the year, was watching movies. That's pretty good, but I think I can beat it, <laughs> and we'll see. Anyway, go watch some movies, these and others. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Movie Talk. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or Facebook at Cock Bull Minute, or check LemonDrops.com for links. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine out of a Mandalorian? Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of a coward. The, uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! Shut up! Shut the fuck! You have no right to take me. Shut up! Will you shut up! Shut up! Shut, 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 shut up! You're still here? Shut up! Now! It's over. Go home. Go.